Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 50th episode of The Chat. We are so excited to hop into this mini milestone because, you know, 2020 has been such a difficult year and we all deserve to celebrate something anytime it comes up. So anyway, tonight we are doing a top five best recast episode. We're so excited to hop into everything considering this was voted on by our listeners to do another top five episode. Um, but before we hop into everything, let's say hello to our co-host, Mr. Alan Serapa himself. Are you feeling 50 episodes strong, my dear? Yes, I am so excited and scared to do this episode. It's my idea. So gotta fuck myself over because well, it's very hard to make this list. I know everybody's gonna be so disappointed that your number one best recast is not Donnie Boaz. I know it's just gonna send shockwaves. <laughs> and then the amazing man who when I decided to take this podcast to more than just myself he's an OG Tiggs how are you doing pretty good Casey where do you get this shit popping <laughs> well we've got Rodrigo who always keeps it popping so Rodrigo how you doing <laughs> <laughs> Happy 50th, all. Happy 50th, Casey. Thank you. Thank you for make, letting me be a part of this journey, and I appreciate you forever. Yes, thank you, Casey. Yeah. I can't Sorry. believe you put yeah. a These damn soul fans that heard us talk shit 50 uh. times over and ain't sick of us yet. Thank y'all. <laughs> thank y'all for listening. You guys. We know we full of shit. Uh, I'm like Susan Lucci on her Emmy moment. I'm like, I was supposed to be on every other Tuesday. Uh. Well, thank you. Oh, an iconic moment I will always remember. I was 14. Oh. Okay, well, this 13. is a, a most memorable any moment, so save that for the next 50. Uh, so anyway, Mr. Alan Serapa, we'll start with you. Who comes in at number five on your top five best recast in Soap's list? Superior Greenlee, Sabine Sung. Yes. Ooh. I am. Alan is right off the jump. Alan. Okay, Alan. Alan, no, this is not Alan. supposed to be this messy. Oh that's my very, god! No, that's very good, Alan. Alan, I, 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 go ahead, Alan. Go ahead, baby. You have the floor. She's more likable than like in the role. Because remember when Brecca left, she was all in Ryan Land. She just read about it freely, just existed to smell Ryan's farts. And that's all she did. Then Sabine's really came on and she was a spitfire. Remember when she read everyone down in that freaking bar? Or about, oh, you guys got freaking religious shit. Oh, you faked your own death by running off a freaking cliff on the motorcycle. And you did, you drugged a man, Amanda. Fuck you. So yeah, that, that was great. And she had great temperature Maiden, and they fired her ass. Oh. For only for her to leave a year later. It was such bullshit. It called her, recommended the real Greenlee. Fuck you, ABC. The real Greenlee returns. Right. right. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. I actually. Oh, that was so disrespectful. That was so disrespectful. 
I, I watched that oh. promo yesterday and I you just hear the announcer, that poor female announcer, she was like, I don't want to do this job no more. But she was like, you never forget your first. And I'm like, well, we forgot her because we had a superior actress for two seasons. Um, exactly. Her we all know her claim to fame was Leo, goddammit. That exactly. did nobody think she was the next Erica Kane but Brian Franz. But I love her <laughs> but I mean she didn't learn how to act till she got her ass on all my children because she was terrible in the Michelle on God and Light. So no. Sabine scene was great. Her and Aiden were the shit. I really, I, I enjoyed Sabine. I enjoyed Sabine's Greenlee. Like I was very upset when they recasted her, and I was like, "Why?" Like she was doing good. She was doing great in the role. She had chemistry. Before with a lot of- there was such a thing as being Gina Tanyoni, that was being Sabine Singh. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, that's a good one, Alan. Good one. That yeah, was Alan, very wow. That brought the heat. Look, I'm not. Alan, are you on crack? It's a bean. <laughs> something just told me. Something in my mind just told me. Go to Alan first. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. So anyway, Rodrigo, let's go to you next. Who's coming in on your uh, five slot? Well, my number five is Deidre Hall as Hattie Adams on Days of Our Lives. Oh. Now. For those who don't That's know, Deidre's twin sister, Andrea, originated the role of Hattie Adams. And when Andrea retired, you know, went back to teaching, they asked Deidre to take over the role. And once Deidre took over the role, Hattie became a memorable character, including, especially when Ron Calavati got a hold of her, of that character, that it just it showed that Deidre Hall is one of the best comedic soap actresses in daytime because the way she came and played that role as Hattie under Ron Ron's under Ron's writing was just amazing. I laughed my ass off, especially her and Judy Evans's body, the way those two were teaming together and like just tricking people in Salem and just like just their shenanigans and all that stuff. I enjoyed it. I didn't even know Deidre Hall was that funny. And she just proved that this she is funny as hell. I don't know why she... I don't know why Deidre Hall does not have an Emmy to this day because the way she's able to differentiate Hattie and Marlena there's a lot of... There's few actors in daytime history that can pull off dual roles. And... She put herself in that mantle of a David Canary, of a, uh, a Martha uh, Byrne, Martha Byrne, uh, or a freaking Anne or Slayzak. Yeah, she put herself in that caliber of actresses that uh, actors that can play that dual role and differentiate a role. Or like John Lindstrom, one of those. Like she just, she just played the hell out of the role, Addie, and I enjoy the hell out of Hattie. I love when Ron brings her back here and there, and it just it just shows a different side of Deirdre Hall I didn't know she had, and like I just it just blew me away. So she's my number five. But of course, she's a Scorpio. Yes, awesome. <laughs> yes, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, Rodrigo, that is such an interesting, never been thought of type of choice. That was yeah. really good. Y'all shaking the table. My shit just kind of baking compared to y'all. They, uh, yeah, Roger. Look, Tiggs is going to be like, oh, that time they recast Ma Perkins. Okay. 
Mom Perkins with Auntie Pear. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, Tiggs, let's go to you. Who you got at number five? My number five is Alicia Minshew as Kendall Hart. Oh, Sarah Michelle Geller did such a good, such a great job in that role for the two, three years she was on that show. And like, and then she went and then the character got written out and she was gone for a good, what, seven years? And everybody had just went like, when is Kendall coming back? When is Kendall coming back? And from the moment she saw Erica at the courthouse and she said, hello, mother, and Erica knocked the living shit out of her, it was on. Like, that girl pretty much carried that show on her motherfucking back the entire time she was on there. They worked that girl so much she had to get pregnant to get some downtime, goddammit. That's oh, how Lord. much they that girl. She had to have her daughter so she could sit down some fucking way. Like, I remember literally those episode counts would be like, number one, Alicia Minshew, 135 mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then she wanted to submit her She wanted to submit her name for supporting actors. That's why exactly. she lost all those damn Alicia interviews. Alicia never got the recognition <laughs> she deserved. Number she one, never did. But they she always heralded. And here's the thing. Okay. I do like Rebecca Buttick. I really do. I don't love her, but I like her. She's suitable. But... Alicia Minshew should have always been Harold as the second era of that show. But it yes. was always Rebecca yes. who got the fanfare from Brian Franz because Brian Franz always had a hard nut for that girl. But it should have been Alicia because Alicia really was side by side with Susan Lucci. They were just powerful together. They were just they were. so popular. They were like during Bianca's rape story when when Kendall and, and Erica finally came to terms and decided to bury the hatchet and be mother and daughter, that was the shit. When the baby switch came out and Kendall was ready to whoop Crystal and Babe's ass, it's like, bitch, you stole my sister's baby? Like, no. Like, no, that was Kendall Hart's playground the last 10 years on that show. Like, no. When Rebecca Buddy left back in 2005, she should have stayed gone. That was a nice period to that character. Especially if they wasn't going to never like recast Leo. They should have just left it like that. And it should have been done. Exactly. I totally agree. Uh, so coming in at number five for me, and I must preface this by saying, like I told you guys before we started recording, my list changed so much. Because, you know, like all of you, we have all these very rich soap opera history backgrounds and We've seen so many soap operas, and it was really hard to narrow this down to five and an honorable mention. But I just, I had to go with ones that left an impact on my soap viewing. So coming in at number five for me is Carmen Duncan as Iris on Another World. Come on! Oh, good choice. <laughs> Come on! Yes. yes. Yeah. Come on! So of course, yes. Beverly will forever be the GOAT. I mean, Beverly is quite possibly the best actress to ever come in the, in the, in the history of soap yeah. opera in the history yeah but my god by god if you would have told me that another actress this australian ballsy woman with big shoulder pads and big hair all five feet of her could come in and make me think different about the character iris i would have called you crazy but one scene that just sticks out to me is when Charlene 
was trying to prove that she wasn't crazy and that Taylor was manipulating her split personality, Charlie. And they had this big hospital board meeting with Iris. And Iris <laughs> was just telling Charlene all this madness. She was like, well, I think you really are crazy, Charlene. And I was just, oh my God. Carmen motherfucking Duncan. Let me tell okay. you to this day. And the way her ass would say, Daddy. Oh my God. And the way she would get in fights with Victoria Windham, just their accents going back and forth. She'd be like, Rachel. Oh, I just loved Carmen Duncan. What an amazing woman. Iris did not get the ending she deserved. Um, and my God, by God, Carmen Duncan, there are no words. She, she made. It, she helped me move on from Beverly McKenzie, which is not an easy pair of shoes to fill. But yeah, oh, common Duncan. Anyway, uh, Rodrigo, let's go back to you. Who do you have at number four? Uh, my number four is Wally Kurth as Ned Ashton on General Hospital. <laughs> um, <laughs> And contrary to popular belief, Wally was not the original Ned. Uh, it was Kurt McKinney for your soap historians who played Matt on Guy Night, was the original Ned, aka Ward, the one that slept with Monica, that's still talked about to this day in Port Charles. But Wally Kerf coming off his stint as Justin on Days moved on to GH as Ned and just created soap history. Like Ned Ashton under Wally was thrown into one of the best couples in history with Lois Cirillo, played by Rena Sofer, who was his real life wife at the time. Uh, so what can you say about Wally? Wally came in, he's part of memorable storylines. One of the most memorable storylines was Ned covering for AJ uh, when AJ busted Jason's head open and on that tree with that car accident. And we have Jason Morgan to this day, but it was the way that Ned and Wally played the gatekeeper of the Quarterman family. He's the one that Amen. would, he's the, the one that would cover their asses and make sure that family was in check and just Wally just came in there like gangbusters, and I've enjoyed the character of Ned ever since. Uh, and look at this man now. This man is doing double duty in in 2020 on two soaps. You're getting two checks in daytime, and you just love to see it. So, like, it's one of the best recasts in that show's history. Um, Wally, Wally, Wally Curran. I mean the the actor who can do it all. It all. <laughs> it all. Literally. God damn, put him on the other two subs, god damn it. I mean, I bet he can do it. <laughs> he, he can do it. Put him on all four shows. Come on now. Honestly, <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, let's go. Matt Miller, why not? Hello. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, and look, Brad only writes for people for three months out of the year, so he could definitely do Bold and Beautiful with no trouble at all. <laughs> all righty. So, Mr. Allen, let's go back to you. Who do you have coming in at number four? At number 
Four, I have the superior Lee Winter, Savita Sherwin. You have oh. got him. You're superior. Oh, Alan, you being messy. Alan, you being messy today. I am so- not doing this tonight <laughs> with you, Alan. <laughs> this oh, I agree. But I agree on that one. I, I agree on that one. Okay, go ahead, Right Alan. now, okay, right now, I feel like Mindy, and I feel like Alan is Alexandra, and <laughs> just reading me for filth because, Alan, you messy tonight. You are messy. Alan said, look, it's the 50th. I'm going to give people what they want. A Real Housewives reunion. <laughs> anyway, go on. What do you got? She was better than another girl. Because she, Davida actually felt like a winter's. She had great chemistry with her, her parents and and Devon and Daniel. And let's be real, she felt like a black woman. Kristen Kilo has never felt like a black woman. I think you all agree with that. Yes. She just Devetta Devetta's Lily felt more like Victoria Raul's daughter on that yeah. show. The chemistry between those two. Lily should be like her mama, and she is not under Crystal Khalil. She's not. Let's, let's face it. She's more like her father. She's more like Neil Winters than she is uh, Drusilla. Let's let's call yeah. it what it is. And, the only time the only time Crystal Khalil's version of Lily acts like Drusilla is when she's pissed off. When she gets when she can like be bitchy and roll her neck, like when she checked Nikki a couple of months ago. That was the first that time I ever but, saw anything of Lord, Drusilla. That's really yeah, the, the, the only time she can be like, that's the only time she acts like Drusilla when she can be bitchy and has an attitude. Other when than she that, said to Nikki, she was like, bitch, I ain't got anything against Adam. He ain't even on my radar. This is Billy's story. Get the hell out of my office. <laughs> okay, and then Nikki trying to throw Neil in her face. I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah, and Billy was like, my dad ain't got nothing to do with this, Okay. <laughs> Oh, God, I tell you. Yeah, that scene. See, in order for YNR to get right, I'm going to need more scenes like that. Um, but anyway, Alan, yeah, okay. Messy, messy, messy. But your messiness carries with it an amount of validity <laughs> that can be acceptable. <laughs> facts are facts. She should have the role. The mess. All righty. Well, Tiggs, let's go to you. Are you going to be equally as messy here with your number four? No. <laughs> my number four... <laughs> my number four is Hump Block. It's Craig Montgomery. Oh, oh, good oh, one, Tiggs. Yes. Like, when, he, oh. when he got on, because I, I liked him on God and Light. Mm-hmm. He, he was cool as being on God and Light. And then he got on there, and that was one time I started back watching World Turns after Another World went off to and like just the chemistry he had he had with Moral West and Colleen Dink Pinter. And just Dude, you know stop that. You know, <laughs> just, no, just <laughs> the way he was with Ellen Dolan and, and, and Terry Khan. Like he was so goddamn good. Scott Bryce came back to the role and the motherfucker didn't work no more. You know how good you got to be for the original that made the role popular to come the back OG. and that motherfucker don't work. You got mm-hmm. to be damn good. You got to be Billy Miller good, okay? Shit, so God damn it, he left a mark on that show in that role. And Hunt Block was just sex walking. I mean, my God. Oh, he was so, uh, him so fine. Daddy issues. Like, I tell you what, Hunt Block mm. gave me daddy issues. I was like, oh! 
he helped rejuvenate the character of Barbara Ryan. Like, you know, yeah, it was also wow. Hogan Sheffer, but like Barbara had a whole ass renaissance because of what Craig did to her. And it just it, it, it bought the character of Barbara 10 more years on that damn show. Doing the shit she was doing. Because it's Barbara would have easily right? have faded into the background if Craig wouldn't have fucked her over and, and led Ooh. to her getting all burnt up and shit. Walking around like she was a phantom of the opera and shit. And throwing bitches in spies and shit. And jumping out of windows and shit. Oh like, my god, god Barbara jumping out of that window. Oh my lord. Oh my god. I remember when Hunt Blast Craig, when Bryant Montgomery died, when mm-hmm. Craig's son died, mm-hmm. the god. performance... The, oh, the performance from Hanblock during oh. that whole arc between him and then I'll give it him and Mary Beth Evans has some mm-hmm. good chemistry. Oh, it's the era. As Sierra. Oh, oh, see, you brought me that Hogan Shepherd era as the world turns. Oh, baby. The hottest okay. soap <laughs> at, in that era. The hottest. Oh, soap. Lord. Oh, and Craig. Oh, him and Mara West as Carly, the way they mixed it oh, up Mara together. Oh, Mara any real. You know, oh, crush nuts. The crush nuts yeah. isn't it real. And oh, all you'll get yes. is crush nuts. Oh, God. He's like, I could eat you up like a banana split or some <laughs> shit. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Ooh. There was so much. Him and Roseanne, him and Katie McClain, Rosanna. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, why? Yeah. Oh, oh, no, huh? oh, where are you? Where are you, Humblock? Well, look, I, I actually spoke to Hunt Block um, about three months ago, and he is doing pretty good. He's semi-retired but when he does act it's theater work and let me tell you that voice that my heart was going to oh. the paddle because that voice is all he's got a ooh. nice voice oh that mm, pull my okay. hair and call me Rosanna I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway good job Tiggs that was good that that was well coming in at number four for me is another male actor uh, who took over from the originator and made me forget literally all about the original actor and that is mr trevor st john as todd on one life to live oh okay (laughs) i was thinking of that too yeah i i could not do this list i mean without putting trevor on here from even when it was revealed you know when roger Howarth was coming back and they did the tale of two todds thing you know we still had those years where trevor played todd beautifully and the chemistry that he oozed with Cassie and how he just uh-huh. right away to me, Trevor never skipped a beat. I was like, oh. okay, th- this is Todd. This is who Todd is. I-, I buy the whole thing. I mean, what a just fabulous recast. And I remember, you know, when. Todd was like coming back into the fold of the shell and it was just beautifully executed in a time where One Life to Live was going through a very difficult period because you know when Trevor came on it was not the best period for the show (laughs) but it's just one of those things where you were like, every time you saw Trevor on screen, all the issues that the show had just like kind of went away. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a wonderful actor. What a very giving actor in scenes. What a very memorable recast for all the right reasons. And honestly, 
what is Trevor doing? Where is Trevor on my screen? He's on, he was on, not Ross, well, shown in New Mexico, but they killed his character off. So he's available for soaps if he wants to come back. He needs to be on a soap. I mean, he could be. He will be a great Peter Blake. Oh, oh, Diggs. Oh, he dude. would. Like, because, like, this is a great, because, like you said, like, from the moment, like, who, who was the casting director at One Life at that time? Do you remember Casey? Lord, I don't remember. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, not a Mark Teshner or Marty Saidi. I don't know. Oh, okay. That's all I know. <laughs> but, like, he had Roger Howard's mannerisms down packed. He was great with Erica Slayzak. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, he had chemistry with Cassie Piva. It wasn't as hot as his chemistry with Florencia. Florencia like, Lozano, Florencia. baby. Oh, Lolo, baby. And then Lolo, yes. Yeah. His golden ticket. Oh, my God. You know, his golden ticket was he had to make sure he had chemistry with Kristen Austin, and he did. And, you know, Trevor oh. reminded me a lot of when Gina took over for Michelle um, at Y&R because they didn't miss a beat. They were giving it their all every day for you to believe such a recast from a very popular actor. And, you know, they were very fast. You know, Trevor always kept the scene moving. Trevor mm-hmm. was always moving in a scene. He was always doing something. Um, he was doing something to make you believe what was going on in the scene. He was very impactful. Um, and honestly, he... In a way, even though I loved Roger as Todd in those very early Todd years, especially with the beautifully constructed and very carefully constructed Marty storyline, Roger, I didn't like emotionally care for Todd as much as I did when Trevor was in the role. You know, I felt sort of a more redemptive element to Todd with Trevor in the role. Um, and I always struggle you know, I'm like, okay, when people ask me who is my favorite Todd, I do always struggle with the answer because I don't want to pick one. <laughs> but sometimes it's more one day it's a Trevor day, the other day it's a, you know, Roger day. Um, but yeah, Trevor was just I, 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 I think it's one of those things where, yeah, like Todd did some horrible things and even when he was doing horrible things, like I, this motherfucker thought that Blair was having Max's baby. She oh had God, and yes. this motherfucker <laughs> gave that baby away. And when he found out that Jack was his, him and Blair <laughs> just had to adopt a baby. You know how, how twisted and petty you got to be? Do that bullshit? Mm. Having Blair adopt her own child? Oh. <laughs> Oh, my, oh God. my God. And that was a but great... But I always felt it from both. It's like, you know, even when Todd was at his most horrible, it will take Vicky, or it will take Star, or mm. somebody mentioning Mark. To humanize him. Uh, yeah. To bring because him no matter back what he, he did, he always regretted what he did to Mark. And that was one of the only redeeming things from the rape man's is just that in Todd's sick way, he was trying to make amends what he did to Mark. Well, even when Marty came came back in 2004 to testify at another one of Todd's trials and Susan Haskell, I will never forget this moment. Um, And it's just one of those things you can tell isn't scripted. It just happens beautifully in a very actor on actor scene. She looks at Trevor St. John's 
um, Todd when she gets on the stand for that. And they just like have this beautiful lock eyes type of moment where even though, you know, now Susan is playing these scenes as Marty without Roger Howard's Todd, you still feel the um, history there of those two characters. And that's hard for a recast to do, to make you feel the historical beats played by another actor. But Trevor St. John could always do that. It didn't feel like Roger Howard was even in the room. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what was so special about Trevor's Todd. He made you- But, but when Roger came back though, like it was almost like soap fanfic come to life. Because to see them two totally. in scenes together, and them them fools really act like T and Samara. They were really like bickering ass twins. Ooh, they were yeah. the boxy twins like a motherfucker. <laughs> oh and my god! Like, you know, for, for for Ty for Trevor to be able to create a whole nother character with Victor, it was the best of both worlds. You know, we had him with Taya. We had you know Roger with Blair. Like it was the best of both worlds. Victor had his family. Todd had his family. Like it was, it was just the shit because it's like, yeah, Danny was biologically Todd's daughter, but she had spent so much with, you know, Victor. She was more drawn to Victor, and then Victor still had a kid because Margaret Cochran raped his ass, so he had little Sam, and it was just, oh, uh, oh, I hated that little Sam child, Lord. I'm sorry. I didn't mind oh, don't do Sam like that. No, I, no, I was so done with that child. Poor Ooh. little. I felt bad every time Kim Zimmer had to act a scene with him when she returned as that cause. Like, get my Kim Zimmer away. I just, no, I couldn't do the whole Sam thing. I'm sorry. I, I, no. I didn't mind little Sam. I no, I did. I was like, why is this kid all of a sudden the lead of the show? You know Ron likes to write for the under six-year-old crowd. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> look, I love Ron, but sometimes I feel like I'm watching Teletubbies. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> oh. Anyway, Tiggs, let's go to you. We're at number three. Who do you got? My number three is, is just one of my favorites. My girl. I hate she allegedly retired, but Robin Matson is Janet Green on All My Children. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> now, oh. yeah, Kate Collins was always great as Natalie for me. And yeah, her first stint, you know, as Janet and throwing Natalie in that damn well, you know, that was cute. But when that motherfucking Robin Matson came and she was going by the name Jane Collins. And nobody knew who the fuck she was. Oh, yeah. The only motherfucker, the only motherfucker that knew she wasn't right was the goddamn dog. Harold. Harold knew the, the fuck. The dog, Harold. <laughs> he like, knew. He had, he had Harold knew. She had Trevor Snow, everybody. But it was that motherfucking Harold. Harold, like, this bitch ain't right. She ain't right. Oh. And then she got pregnant with Amanda. And Trevor fought against her, but he fell in love with her anyway. Uh, then she became friends with Erica and Sky, and they, you know, all the bullshit with Jonathan oh. Kinder. Mm. Yes. Oh. oh, Tiggs. God, <laughs> yes. And it just really pissed me off when years later, you know, Kate Collins came back as Janet, and she was crazy again, and she killed yeah, Trevor. Yeah, they reverted oh, back. They, they reverted I didn't back like that. to like, Poopy That was Natalie. so stupid. It was. They, 
the only good thing she did was let the girls know, like, uh, my homegirl Dixie, she in the back, but ain't nobody believe me. She told the motherfuckers, <laughs> oh, girl, Dixie. Dixie in the back, girl, she frying chicken. No, she not, bitch. And they were just like, okay, whatever. But yeah, oh, like, that then Robin Madsen, oh. uh, mm. I, uh, Robin be the little kid, mm. and I was so shocked because she was going by Jane Cox, she couldn't stay away from Trevor, and she was just being real weird and shit. And then when I found out that she was fucking Jenna from another planet, I said, oh, bitch, I was in the third grade, shook like, bitch, you lying. In the third grade, shook. <laughs> See, remember when we used to fake an illness for all the good Hell shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Had chicken pox in the stay home from, stay yeah. home from school, yeah, just I to watch your stories. <laughs> Because okay. you knew something was gonna happen. You knew something was gonna to, happen that day. Know. Like when, when Marlena was possessed, I think I told him I had my period that day. Shit, I had to be at home. <laughs> I told him I had severe cramps. Jigs is like, I'm I got endometriosis. My I'm uterus strong. is leaking. Can I go home? Right. <laughs> Not your period. I hate you. See, if D was on here, she would call that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Rodrigo, who you got at number three, dear? My number three is the superior Vicky and Marley, and that's Anne Heche on Another oh. World. <laughs> and the superior Vicky and Marley. Now, we've had Ellen Wheeler, we've had Jensen Buchanan, but none of them broads could hold a, a candle to Anne Heche when she came into that show and just busted out show wide open. Vicky and Marley, she just made two characters so completely different, so complete. You knew Vicky was the Hellraiser sister, and Marley was the goody goody sister. And just it was just a great balance of both. And then the chemistry that Anne had with Anna Stewart's Donna and freaking uh who else was she with that? Jake McKinnon with Tom Eplin and well, we can't, but, you know, under Anne Heche's run, the rape story. Oh, but Jake, oh, Molly's rape when Jake, yeah. who shot Jake, and oh my god, uh, yeah. that that whole arc and like freaking like, it was just amazing to watch. And like Anne is forever remembered for that show. What I love about Anne, she doesn't forget where she came from. <laughs> um, like a lot of actors in this in this industry, they'll try. They tend to forget that they they started on soaps, uh, but Anne continues to like embrace that period in her life, and that was the start of Vicky and um, uh, what's in the um, Ryan 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 and Vicky, yes, yeah. Ryan and Vicky, Paul Michael, Paul Michael Valley. That's where it yeah. all started. Now I did it love. Was, okay, I did love Jensen's Vicky more with. Oh, right. Jensen's Vicky was good, but her yeah. Molly was terrible. I yeah. just want to put you it know, out. <laughs> Anne's Marley was just Anne played Marley better. Jensen played Vicky better, in my opinion. Right. But, yeah, yeah, you can tell. I she was so bad. They threw her Marley in the fire and brought back goddamn. Fire. Oh my god. Ellen Will. Four inches, four inches, four inches taller than Jensen Buchanan. <laughs> I know. We all bring... <laughs> This goddamn Ella Wheeler looking like Jack and the Beanstalk. Over oh, damn Jensen Buchanan. I'm like, whose yeah. bright idea was that? I'm like, a fire well, okay. didn't burn, you know, Vicky's legs. <laughs> but I just remember, you know, when Jake was shot and 
Anne Heche's Marley steps into his hospital room when he finally wakes up and becomes conscious again. And she goes on this monologue. And I want to just say, if none of our listeners have seen this monologue, go watch it on YouTube, please. And she just tells him, like, that you're here in this bed and that you've been shot. You know the pain that I felt. That you're laying here and you can't do anything about your situation. You know what you put me through now. It makes me cry buckets and buckets of tears every single time. And that is just the power of Anne Heche. And that is the power of another world. Pre-Joe mm. Fan Films. Uh, oh, oh Vic, when Mar- Vicky and... Um... And Ryan's dancing to a vision of love. Mariah Carey's vision of love oh, at the bar. <laughs> yes. When they first oh, danced together. Yes. And like, you know, Anne brought this memorable, like, and she's another actress in uh, one of the few actors in daytime history that can pull off a dual role and just make it memorable. Like she, like Vicky and Marley were t- two different complete characters and she just brought it and she's still talked about to this day as one of the greatest actresses to ever set foot in daytime and for her to come in and just make that both those roles memorable is you just love to see it well gosh i lord i hope i could top that i don't know that's just the choice to end all be all um, but coming in at number three is an actress that I hold very near and dear to my heart during my years of soap viewing. Um, and that is Ellen Dolan, um, who took over the role of Marco uh, mm. in 1989. Oh, yeah. God damn it. God from damn Hillary it. B. Smith. From Hillary Smith. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. Now, uh-huh. she certainly had her work cut out for her because, you know, it just wasn't Hillary's amazing run. It was also Margaret Collins' run as well. I mean, these were two very popular Margot Hughes's and you know Hillary was the one who had the big wedding with um, Tom and you know it's so difficult when part of a super couple is recast but the fact that Ellen Dolan and the fact um, that she could do it with Scott Holmes and the fact that they made you think that no time had passed with Justin D's Tom and Greg Marks's Tom and Hillary B. Smith's Margot, Margaret Collins Margot. I mean, Tom and Margot were a couple that were rooted for until the very end. Yeah, um, oh, I love me some Tom and Margot. Oh, yeah, the love lawyer and the cop. I mean, yes. amazing. And Margot has had some memorable moments under Ellen Dolan. Of course, probably the most memorable being Margot's sexual assault storyline um, and the HIV story and, you know, the does she have it? Does she not? Um, is she pregnant by her rapist? And then, of course, um, I, <laughs> I always loved when she pulled that gun on Emily. God damn it. <laughs> yes. God damn it. <laughs> shot that bitch. I would have shot oh, that bitch. Oh, God. So you guys, gonna fuck my son in my house? Oh, you are, you dead bitch! I tell you, you period. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, you After know, you fuck it, mm. 
After she fucked her husband too? No, bitch, you dead. <laughs> and then the plane crash and Margot's PTSD and you know the whole um, Margot's affair, even um, because you know Margot and Tom had been so solid, and they were really the epitome of showing every soap that you could do all this drama while in a marriage. But when Margot had that affair under, I think it was Sheffer's run. Um, you know, that was huge. And that was such a blow up of that couple. Um, well, but gosh, I mean, I mean, Ellen Dolan, my God. <laughs> now, remember, Ellen Dolan was the original Maureen on God is Life. Yes, she was. <laughs> and then Ellen Parker, yeah. Yes. What came first, the, <laughs> the Ellen or the it, Ellen? You know, <laughs> like, they, like, people don't talk about Tom and Margo enough, like, no, Tom they never Margo. make it on a super couple. They, oh, they never right. make it. Tom and Margo uh, yeah. managed to they, through through a thousand recasts. No matter what, cheating and all that to stay married for twenty seven years. And yeah. I think you know that's why, you know, I think that's why people don't mm. think of them as a super couple because they haven't been married six times like Ridge and Brooke. They haven't been married three times like Rachel and Mac on Another World. I think people are scared to think of them as a super couple because they stayed together. And it just goes to show that Tom and Margot were the reality of so many couples. Of course, just heightened because it was a soap opera, but couples don't always break up because of affairs or disagreements. You know, Tom and Margot stayed together because it was realistic to that show's mm -hmm. history and to the whole world. They um, went them those two went through the they went through the fire. I'm yeah. telling you, Tom and Margo. Oh my, oh my god. <laughs> they survived so many things. Infidelity yeah. and all type of shit. Like Tom yeah. was having a when he had an affair with Emily, they survived that. Where Marco had the affair with Alec, they they survived that. And Hal, the Hal affair, they definitely survived that. And she had a baby on Tom. With how so like yeah they survived so many things they survived man. Barbara because you know Barbara was Whoa. always getting in the way of that man. Yeah. when she oh my god I remember this old as the world turns promo I was watching and Barbara felt as though Margot was taking Hal away from her and it was like what will Barbara do to Margot as the world turns I was like oh my god oh Barbara and Margot that's enough. That's another underrated rivalry that doesn't oh get my enough God, so talk is Barbara versus Margot. Because them two, oof. They, mm. You and thought Margot was hitting. one time when Margot um, got the call that she was um, pregnant at the Christmas party. You know, they showed that in the talks montage. Um, you know, that's a sweet moment. But I always remember there's one moment to me that signifies... Tom and Margot's bond and why those characters were married for 27 years. And that is after Margot um, is assaulted and Tom comes to the hospital and um, Tom just gets on his knees and he puts his head on Margot's um, knee, you know, like his hands cover his face and everything. And Margot leans up and he just says, I'm so sorry. And the screen fades to black. And I don't know why we just don't get soap opera moments like that anymore. You know, the emotion will forever love this genre, but to me, the emotion doesn't hit as hard as it used to. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, you don't have any more of those nine page scenes of dialogue, those 10 pages scenes of dialogue where it's like multiple camera blocking and, you know, it's actors getting a chance to be like actors. And, you know, I just, as the world turns was just so special in that way. And Ellen and Scott brought so much to that show. Yes, yeah, it's so short nowadays, like 30s, like a minute tops sometimes. Yeah, like all you hear now, you know, you don't even like get close-ups anymore because as you're closing up on an actor, it's literally fading out to commercial. Like mm. I miss when it would just stay on a shot for like a good 10 seconds and you would just hear a beautiful arrangement of music and you just don't get that anymore. It's all so quick now. There's no time to savor storylines and there's no time to savor characters anymore. <sighs> wow. Okay. Well, anyway, so Alan, Mr. Alan, 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 who comes in um, at number three on your list? My number three is the fuckable Lucky, Greg Vaughn, General Hospital, as Lucky. <laughs> Why are you this messy tonight? Oh my God. I ain't gonna lie. I love me some Greg. <laughs> no, I do too. Yeah, uh, Greg, me too. Greg was my me favorite too. Lucky. Mm. I hated that he got fired to bring back Jacob Young. I mean, Jacob. to cry for two years. Right. Jacob, 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 don't you bring up <laughs> Jacob Young to me ever? I didn't, I didn't mean long. Jacob Young and Johnson Jackson. They fired <laughs> Greg Vaughn to bring Johnson Jackson back to cry for two goddamn years. Mm. It was so unfortunate because Greg Vaughn was a good lucky. He had chemistry with everyone. He could act. He was fuckable. And uh, most yeah. importantly, he bought him as Luke and Laura's son. And he, he didn't freaking cry all the time. I know that was basically writers that made freaking Jonathan Jackson cry all the time, but it was still so fucking annoying. And he had chemistry with women because remember Jacob Young, when Jacob Young was playing Lucky, it looked, always looked like he wanted to blow Latino Nicholas. Seriously, they looked like they wanted to have sex with each other. And it was uncomfortable to watch. I tried to bring that up to somebody the other day and they were like, stop that mess. I'm like, well, it's true. Yeah, they look like they want to fuck. Exactly. Oh my God. I mean, even Johnson was exhausted. That's why he quit shit. He like, shit, I'm tired. He had no, he yeah. had no, more, he had no more tear ducts after that two year run. He was like, oh my no goodness, more. I can't even cry no more. This is too much. But no, Greg's Greg's lucky was great. The drug storyline with him and Maxie, that was some good shit. And, and uh Lucky and Sam, him and Kelly Monaco had some great chemistry yes. together. Oh yeah. Sam, Lou Sam. Oh, that was I love me some Lucky and Sam. They were just sex on the stick, mm -hmm. those two. Like, I would uh, not mind if Greg Vaughn came back as looking everybody. Well, he's in New York. Fuck, I wouldn't either. But see, uh, <laughs> General Hospital got money that that they, they, they don't. They can fly him <laughs> back. And, they can fly him back. back and forth. They can fly him back and forth through this part. Come on now. Exactly. Lucky is needed. Lucky is needed on this canvas. Lucky not being there when Lulu was about to be carted off to you know the home. That was just a jarring omission. Like Lucky needs to be back in Portugal. I would love Greg Lombard. I would just love it, but the chances of that happening. Bring, you know what? He can bring Angie Harmon with him. There you go, Angie. Come on, GH with them. I think they can afford her. They no, I don't think they could. 
Have you seen this budget yet? They afford it. Frank, 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 Frank will make some room. He'll make some room. Yeah, Frank was like, oh, okay, we can get rid of uh, that baby. Yep. He would be like, okay, Sophia, look, the the drug story was fun. Okay, bye. (laughs) Well, it would take probably like eight Sophia Mattsons to equal one. (laughs) Andy Harmon. Harmon. Okay, Willow, bye, sis. You know what? Take a little Wiley with you as well. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Wiley making two thousand an episode. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's go to number two. So, Rodrigo, we'll start with you. Who's coming uh, in at number two for your list? Uh, my number two is Robert Kelker Kelly as Bo Brady on Days you of Our Lives. Robert Kelker. Go Let ahead. me tell you something, okay? No one thought Peter Record could be replaced. But Robert Kelker Kelly came in, made you forget about Peter Record's Bo Brady for a little bit until they brought back Christian Alfonso's Hope and it went downhill from there. But the three years we did have Robert Kelker Kelly as Bo brought the most memorable couple, couple in days history. That was Bo and Billy. Him and Melissa Renna had amazing chemistry together I, I don't know I there was something about Robert's bow that I was just like he just fit the role so perfectly he came in he was rugged he was sexy he was macho he was so damn masculine he was so freaking like he just fit the role of bow so great he had chemistry with a lot of people on the campus but when they brought Christian Alfonso's hope in you're like, hmm, something is missing <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs> something is missing in this equation. And I was not surprised when the show brought back Peter Records. I was like, oh, Peter's coming back because this is not, mm, this is not working between him and Christian Alfonso because there was no chemistry whatsoever with those two. But Why I loved Bo and Billy. Him and Lisa Renna had incredible chemistry. You forgot about Hope. You forgot about Carly. You forgot about whoever Bo was with because him and Billy was just like, I'll tell you, they rivaled between them two and Sonny and Brenda on General Hospital. Those two, they, they were neck and neck as the hottest soul couple in the 90s for me. Uh, but I just feel like Robert just came in and just did an ad- amazing job. I was I was sad when he got fired and they replaced him with Peter. But I mean, that's the soap business. They wanted to cap- recapture that bow and hope glory, and I get it. Um, but well, I also loved him with uh, Crystal Chappelle as well. Um, I did too because yeah, you know when they, they did good. the whole Bo Lawrence Carly type of triangle and. Bo was investigating the death of Lizanne Gardner and, um, you know, that little kid who played Nikki Alamein before they aged Nicholas to like 80 years old in 2002. <laughs> but yeah, that was how, I mean, Robert Kelker Kelly just oozed chemistry with every shit. Every time he would say, hey, Mrs. H, I was like, ooh, Allison Bo, hey. <laughs> I was like, get you some after Tom. <laughs> I loved Robert. Like, yeah, him and him, him and Crystal were the shit. Him and Lisa were the shit, but goddamn it, there's only one for Christian, goddamn it. 
But the nah. minute they brought back Peter Workle and the one, the minute, yeah, okay. I had like, a feeling when Christian was brought back, I was like, mm, Robert, your days are numbered because, like, this yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> your days, honey. They go about to bring back the original because they want to get back that bow and hope glory, okay, feeling. And you is not doing it you because did good with, you did good with Carly, you did good with Christian Rappel, but but Christian, I found it was just a different beast, and as. Mm, one of my favorite moments in soap history when they were sitting at that damn Brady pub and they opened that motherfucking puzzle box. The other box. Oh, uh, and, and Alice was reading that, that note. And, and then Hope, Hope, started Hope recited the revival. They were, she recited and you, could just, you just saw Lisa Renner's face. And at that moment, and Billy, she knew she was she on was, too. She was fucked. <laughs> Billy was fucked. Like, oh, this bitch was really Hope. Both Robert Kelly oh. and Lisa Renna were like, they got dropped <laughs> for Peter Reckle and Christian Alfonso. That was it. it. No, no, that, that, was, that was one of the greatest back from the day stories. They went back and forth. Is she hope? Is she hope? Is she hope? And then they did the DNA testing, inconclusive, and all this other bullshit. And then she remembered a little certain shit. She remembered like how to whoop somebody's ass at a cop. And then she was like, I don't know how I did that. And all that other bullshit. But when they opened up that public box, it was and then that piece of background music they always used to play, it was like, dun, dun, dun. I was like, oh, okay. Mm, Billy so knew rough. she was, Billy the knew she was knew. ass out. Mrs. Mm. H knew that bitch was hope. And especially at Billy's wedding, when Christian Alfonso was walking down the aisle, uh, you know, as one of like the bridesmaids or whatever. And Alice turns to Maggie and she goes, I know that's hope. And Maggie's like, don't cause any problems right now. <laughs> Ooh, but RKK. Okay, because Alice good. always knew. That's my Alice grandma. knew. Alice said, look, I can bake donuts and I can solve mysteries. Call me Jessica Fletcher. Listen, RKK, he's still looking daddy-ish as ever. And he's like, I wish they would. Look, I wouldn't even mind another Stavros over the top. Like, reappearance on GA because I'm just like I just want to see this man on my screen again. Well, fuck that. Can he be rich? Shit. <laughs> oh god damn like Torsten I'm sorry Torsten but you are not rich Torsten. Oh my fucking god. I hate him as rich. I hate Torsten K as rich. I hate him as rich. Oh. Mm. He's like he's like Bowles worst recast ever. Well well what's <laughs> Take save that oh. for the worst five worst recasts when we do that oh, podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, Look, this is the worst recast podcast. This is the <laughs> anyway, so speaking of bold and beautiful, coming in at number two for me is something that I think you guys might think is unexpected, but I'm going with Justin Torkelson as Rick Forrester. I, I know. Um, a lot of people think this is unexpected. Here's the thing. What really sold Justin for me as Rick was during the time in the early 2000s when Brooke had gotten... Um, she was kind of trapped in this moment where she wasn't sure she could hang on to her majority stake in Forrester Creations. 
Um, but the way she was planning to do it was to try. It's so laughable, but no, I love this. She was gonna try and send Rick in as her proxy for everything. And I loved Justin when he used to battle with Ron Moss's Ridge. And I loved Justin when he was trying to do Rick on the make and he was still with Amber. And I thought Amber and Justin's Rick had amazing chemistry. Um, now, of course, Jacob Young is the always superior Rick. However, there was something special about Justin Torkelson's Rick that I miss, and I would take him back on any show. Um, but yeah, call it what you want. I loved Justin Torkelson, and I know well, that I is not a popular opinion by many, but it's my fucking list, so... Well, hell, him and him and Adrian won the Emmys on the same night together, so they must have been memorable. Uh, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> I know that's right. I mean, okay. I, mean, I mean, that's not a bad show. I did. Justin was. I mean, he was admirable as Rick. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't hate him. I didn't love him, but he was like right there in the middle with me. But he's that part. He 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 did, he did his thing in some you know some stories, but and you know he was never supposed to be. Why I put him, and here's the thing, also this list, for me, it wasn't ranking from like worst to best. You know what I mean? Like it was, for me, just putting some of my favorites in here. And, you know, for me, what worked with Justin is that it came at a time where Rick was starting to grow up, but Rick was also so juvenile, which was Ridge's main problem. Um, And... You know, Justin just played that so well. He played the very young man trying to find his way in an adult world. Um, And he also, I loved every time Justin's Rick would call, like, Ridge out on his hypocrisy. Like, that time Ridge was trying to get the shares away from Brooke when she was on her leave of absence because she was pregnant by Deacon. And I love when Ridge was like, oh, I can maybe get another board member if I put Taylor on the board. And Rick was like, look, that is some nepotism and that is some shit I'm not standing for. So, yeah, I loved Justin's Oh, so so you loved when Brad Bell knew he was writing the soap opera? Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes. I loved when Bold and Beautiful was actually worth tuning into. (laughs) Okay, because Brad Mm -hmm. Bell thinks he's writing soap dish now in this motherfucker. (laughs) He's writing John Candy's Delirious. I feel like this is the sequel. <laughs> He's writing... You know what? He writing the white people version of I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. That's what the hell he writing. Shit. <laughs> He's writing the John Kerry <laughs> show but with white people. Things I'm done. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, Tiggs, let's go to you. Who do you have on number two? My number two? is the rock star, the bad bitch, the realest bitch, Tamara Brown of Carly Corinthos. Yes! 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 I doubt that makes a difference to Sunny in the Dark. (laughs) When she walked her ass up to the steps and Tamara Brown came her ass down, I'm like, who's this corny little girl? Who's this? 
less than six months, I was sold. I'm like, oh, this bitch is Carly. Oh, this is Carly, bitch. I'm ready. Let's do this shit. Uh-uh. Like, she was Carly Shaniqua. Carly Shaniqua Benz. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Look, she <laughs> really was Illinois. playing Carly if Carly was from She got to roll on her motherfucking neck. Yeah, roll on that neck, baby. Till this goddamn day. Her ass is just on days of our lives. Then we roll on her neck to Caleb. Yes. God damn it. Like, that damn Tamra Brown. I uh, love me some Tams like that, that, that role. iconic oh. scene where she told Sam's motherfucking ass in that elevator, basically, bitch, you are a Brenda Bot. I want to let you know that, bitch, you won't, you ain't the original. You don't come close to original, bitch. I'm hanging here by a thread, bitch. You ain't Brenda. Yes. Yeah. Just started out by saying, has he told you about Brenda yet? I, and yes. Sam looked shook. Look, Kelly Monaco even went pale. She was a... <laughs> like, she she just, she made Carly a romantic heroine. She had, she, out of all 19 Carly, she had the best chemistry with Mo. Yes. Like, she, like I said, she, she just, she just gave Carly so much, like, just heft. Like, she just put some stank up on it. Like when 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 Carly would be talking to Bobby and she would call her mom, just shit like that, just little shit, just like the way she would just you know, she she had good chemistry with Steve Burton, but it, it was almost kind of like that inappropriate sibling chemistry because it's mm-hmm. like you could see her being the little sister, but you were just like, he still want to hunt her, you know, shit like that. And then when when Vanessa Marcel Mar- Mar- Marcel came back and she oh. was like. And oh, them she, two together. She was just like, oh, here we go. I thought the oh. bitch was dead, but she ain't dead. Here we go. Like, it was oh. just, she saw Brenda at the motherfucking PCPD. Like, I'm oh. bitch. I'm Mrs. Corinthos, bitch. Not today. You can be alive all motherfucking day. You better go over there and see what Jack's doing, bitch. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Ooh, her and Ted, <laughs> her and Ted, her and Ted King together was like some yep. good shit. Oh, her they were the shit. I oh, the Lorenzo shit. and Carly were like, oh, oh, my Carlo. Carlo was so good. That, that's why I said like, there's only one Carly Corinthos for me. Sarah Brown was Carly Quartermain. Tamra Brown is Carly Corinthos. Jennifer Bransford is Carly Alcazar, and Laura Wright oh. will always be Carly Jacks. There's when Tamra thoughts. When Tamara's Carly thought Michael had died, oh, oh that was some good shit. Mm-hmm. Let me see my baby. Oh, Tamara. Oh, my Tams Brown. Oh, I love her. I loved her, Carly. Love, love, when love. When she, when her mm. ass went to the five families with that, and she, she had oh, with the bat baseball the bat. <laughs> yes. yes. The time she would get into it with Faith Frosco, like. I don't Ooh. get to see things like that, but bitch, I'll whoop your ass. Like, don't oh, get Lord. it twisted. She and Faith Roscoe, fuck yes. <laughs> she oh. like, and Faith would be like, try a bitch, now I'll slit your throat. I love this. And, and it's like, it just killed, it pisses me off why they didn't tap back into that when they brought her back. GH wasted Tams for two years. Oh. At least she yeah. got an Emmy to show for it. She got that Emmy though, but still. But it's like, just imagine if they would have been on this Carly pregnant bullshit about a year earlier. Yeah. Like, imagine Sonny falling for Carly's baby doctor. Or her getting obsessed with Jason because 
he has Drew's old face. Yeah. Like they had so many golden opportunities. The junior writer was too lazy for Lad. They can't think of that creatively. And now they didn't brought Kim back in his current storyline line saying Julian that Julian ain't that baby daddy. Oh, he no, about to die next week. The good times. Let's go back to Carly. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. When, oh my god, I remember I faked that I was sick from school one time when Alexis was going to tell Carly that Christina's real father was Sonny. And she just Oh in the elevator. Oh. Sonny is Christina's real father. Oh. Oh, Ooh, when they was in the elevator doing the Port Charles um, yeah. hotel fire. And then Carly was mad as a motherfucker. She was already mad because Sonny got another baby. But she was mad at Alexa because like, bitch, why you tell me that? Yeah. Ooh. Because she proceeded to like. I'm not going to want to tell Sonny. And you know how he is about betrayal and secrets. That's why, exactly. that's why when, when Sam's baby got sick and died and then Christina was sick and they found out the truth, Sonny didn't even have to say shit. Carly went back to the penthouse. She walked past Sonny okay. and packed up her shit. She was like, I already know what he about to do. I got to dodge some barware. I got to put in my, my earplugs. He, he about to get to screaming and shit. Carly went and packed her <laughs> shit. When, when Sonny got right. back to the house, she knew he gonna cuss me out and put me out. Her shit was packed like, go ahead, Sonny. I know. I lied. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> the best, honestly, look, I adore Laura Wright. Laura Wright has clocked in the most time in this role. But Tamara's Carly is, in my opinion, the best Carly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the best years of that character were Tamara. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, Period. Yep. And I love you too, Sarah Joy. Look, I can't forget Sarah Joy. When oh, we can't forget about you, Sarah. Yeah. We love you, girl. Yeah, girl. Bobby, you the, the OG. You the OG. Yeah. You started. You the OG the girl. You. When you Bobby walked new- in on Tony and Carly, and that was one of Jackie Zeman's Emmy reels that year, and I, Bobby goes, "Well, she sure did enough for you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Oh," because I had just started watching GH when Sarah Brown came on. And like she, ju- she was just this perfect little mealy mouth nursing student, and the only two motherfuckers that knew she was shit. Luke knew she wasn't shit, and Amy Vine. Amy Vine. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace, I love me some Amy. That's why I talk shit about Big Amy now. I'm like fuck her. Plus, Risa Dorkin got me blocked on Twitter, so fuck her. But like I said, she ain't no damn Amy Vine. But everybody would just brush Amy off. Like she would always tell Bobby, I don't know about that Carly Bobby. Oh, Carly, <laughs> just fine. Mm-hmm. Like she was just like, I don't know about that Carly. She ain't mm-hmm. right. They she had her number. Her just she being knew about her. And then Luke knew she wasn't right. And when he found out who she was, he told her ass, "Fuck with Barbara Dream if you want to. I'll kill you, bitch, Nisa not. <laughs> like, you know, those you. Carly and Luke scenes were always so special, especially when they made peace with the whole thing. And Carly could always rely on Luke and, mm-hmm. you know, they always shared some very special moments together. Because she would call him, he like, what do you want, Caroline? Luke, I need to face Oh, Caroline, yeah. Oh, yeah, he would call <laughs> her by her government name. By her government <laughs> name. Like, he didn't know no Carly. Oh. You were Caroline, girl. You yeah, were Caroline. That's one thing I did love about Luke. Yeah. Luke had a nickname for everybody, unless you already had a nickname or a fake name. Like, he always called Alexis Natasha. God damn it. 
I just loved every time he would call Helena something messy, like bitch or old hag or. He used to call Tony Doc Bro in law, ex Doc Bro in law. That was like his little nickname. Oh, the old Luke. So, Alan, let's go to you. Number two, who you got? Number two, finally, I have someone who wasn't fired for the original and someone who looks like a sexy version of LaGrange. Mark Roseman is Adam and the Restless. Uh, Yeah. Cause he's good. He's good. He's the most silent this podcast has ever been. No, in all the world, that boy, that boy, that boy hit the ground running, and he's still running. They're working the hell out that boy, and he is trying his best. Good lord, the writing don't make no sense, and it's terrible. But Mark is trying his damn best to sell it. So yes, he he deserves an Emmy. I will say there. They gave him the Alicia Minshew contract, is what they yeah, said. Yeah, on five days a week. Yeah. Twice on face. You can just tell that boy yeah. is haggard. He is like just his only safe place ish between Sharon Case's legs when he go home. Because he ain't got nowhere else to run. <laughs> he, he had television city. Stop, Stop that right he now. He had television city 102 hours a week, even with COVID. Shit. They're like, Mark, bring your mask, motherfucker. We got to redo these scenes. Look, and I don't mind that he's Sharon Case's real life boyfriend because I'm like, Sharon Case, you motherfucking get your son. You know what? Look, he's gonna get a dick. Sharon be tired. Sharon be falling asleep in her dressing room waiting on him to get him to get done with scenes. Like, you ain't done yet, motherfucker. Come on, swap some spit with me, darling. Pull my hair and call me Dr. Fauci. You ain't Mm. okay. But when he's my pick for number two for these reasons. Number one, he had the guy running, like Tick said. Number two. It was a very difficult recast because remember they waited years to recast Adam because yeah. Adam got blown up in 2016 and everyone in Hollywood auditions for this role. Like, I think they auditioned like a ton of, shit ton of people and it took a few years. And it's like he always played the role. You don't really, when you look at him, you don't really think about Michael Muni or Justin nope. Hartley or nope. the no homo guy that didn't want to fucking kiss a guy, Chris Ingen. Chris Ingen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Chris. Oh. I get why you complain about the story, but it's still homophobic. And yeah, I never think of Michael Muni anymore. I really don't. Well, he does. I don't think of none of them no more. Shit. Like yeah, Mark Grossman. He he's, he's Adam. Yeah, he he is Adam, and you know that takes a very special actor to not crack under that pressure. Um. Because you know you go with Eric Brain ain't talking Mark shit Grossman about you in the press. the fuck out. But Lord... When Eric Brain ain't talking shit about you in the press, you're good. They, <laughs> Mark Grossman... Mark Grossman, to me, with the amount of times they show him, reminds me of when James E. Riley had Ali Sweeney carrying Days of Our Lives on her back so early in her career. Because after those first two seasons of Ali Sweeney being on that show, she was on every damn day. From Austin to the Will custody battle to uh, Franco to the electric chair to catching her mom sleeping with John on the conference table. I mean, she had to help carry that show on her back. And Mark Grossman does the same thing. He, in this era of YNR, he's carrying the show on his back. Yep. It's just that the, the writing isn't there. Like, I like, yeah, no, it's I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. 
I wouldn't mind it if Adam and Sharon got back together. But the writing yeah. needs to be there. I, I know I'm one of the only people, but I see chemistry with him and Chelsea. But the writing isn't there because Chelsea yeah, you like are she's the saying, only person. Che no, Chelsea acts like she's his fucking sponsor. You can't tell this motherfucker nuts. He need help. And Chelsea just enables him. Oh, I got an anger with him. too busy wearing those crazy. one sleeve sweaters that they keep putting she before Mr. I don't know how Chelsea kidnapped. And a month later, she's on a stick again. It's it's stupid. It's still, no, be, because like they're writing, they're writing Adam be. as fickle as Liam. It's like he was all in Sharon's face, shitting on Chelsea. Now he in Chelsea's face. Now we already know just in time for Sharon to marry Ray's bitch ass. He gonna be back. He gonna be ready to ruin the wedding and shit like that. And it's just like, what's the point? None, none of this makes sense. You can clearly tell Josh Griffith is writing this shit day to day. It's like he writes an episode, sends it to CBS to get approved. Writes I an episode, you, I Mark sends Grossman. it to CBS to get approved. I want Mark Grossman in scenes with like Kimberlyn Brown or in scenes with Alex Donnelly if they ever have Diane come back from the dead or uh, Stacey Highduck if they ever get her back as Patty. I mean, because yes. I used Alex to love Beauty and Stacey Highduck. Uh, Alex Donnelly, yes. If I couldn't but stand that damn Susan Adam Walters needs, and Diane. Ooh. Adam needs a classic, in my opinion, a classic YNR villain to be coupled with. He needs somebody when Sharon kind of says, no, sorry, I'm going to stay with, you know, this Latino dick, you know. I'm going to stay on this churro. You know, you, you got to go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I tell you, you know, they need more for Adam because they're not doing justice to Mark Grossman with this writing. Nope. It's the same thing over and over again. It, it is everybody in town antagonizes Adam. And then when he reacts to that, he's the villain. When I told my mother <laughs> what was going on on this show... My mom's like, oh, what's Adam up to now? And I told her, and she was like, well, why are you watching this? You watched him do that three years ago. There ain't no point. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, know, Nicholas and Victoria, <laughs> all of them were mad at Billy for shit he did years ago. Like, and then the whole thing with Victor. Why was he trying to blow up, blow up new and towel? For what? Because your That's daddy so wants you to see a shrink? What? Look, I tell you, my, <laughs> my mom came into that living room. She said, Adam always gets mad for shit he did in the first place. Like, <laughs> he is. He, he likes his own worst enemy. When I told my mom about Victor faking his death last year, she said, Well, Adam caused that. So why he pissed at Victor for faking his death? I don't I'm like, I, I know. And that's what it is. Once Josh Riffle gets fired, because that motherfucker going to get fired, the first thing they need to do when they are looking for a new hair rider. Preferably Susan Dansby I mean, and Patrick Mulcahy, they need to ask them. I want you to Susan Dansby the comes to the Zoom meetings. <laughs> right. My whole thing is that I, the first thing they need to ask a potential head writer, what are you going to do to reimagine the Newman family? They keep on doing the same shit. Yeah, I need I need Who's somebody to take the Newman listening. family into the future. Who Give is, me something for the Newman family. To his credit. And I hate to give this bastard anything. Charles Pratt Jr. had a vision for the Newman family. Yep. Yes, yep. it took the same hokey shit to get there. You know, the Marco thing. But him putting 
him putting Victor in prison for a solid three months was a game no, changer. No, it was six months. I six never months, get yeah. that shit. Three to Victor six, was in jail was a game from changer February to, to August 2016. Yeah. Like, yeah, he got out right, right after my mama passed. He got out and finally got out of jail. Oh, after six, he, no. after, for real, after he screwed Luna to death, he gonna screw and my Luna to death on that, that damn very, table. Even though I hated the character E Ward, that very memorable scene where he takes uh, Nikki hostage by the throat with the gun and Victor collapses to the ground and everything. And the, oh, Charles Pratt Jr. had, he wasn't as good with the Abbots, but Pratt was very good with the Newmans. That's why I said Chuck Pratt is good as long as he's on a leash. CBS and Angelica had, had him on a leash. She said, sure, I'll let you blow one thing up. And sure, you can get a doppelganger, but that is it. <laughs> but they need somebody in it because Drive Griffin, he makes my ass itch. And I'm over it. He'll be incompetent. Josh is just, you know, look, I used to love Josh Griffiths. I really did. But Josh has been doing this for a long time, and Josh is just burnt out. And that's what it is. And there's no harm in you know, saying, hey, I'm burnt out. I've been doing soaps for almost 30 years. I'm just burnt out. And the next person that they get, do not give them an EP credit. Do not do no. that shit. Unless no. the only person who deserved it was Sally motherfucking Sussman Marina. That's that the it. only but person who deserved Mal it. Mal Young didn't deserve it, and mm. God damn it, Josh Griffith didn't deserve it. That's one of the reasons why we still stuck with him because he got that fucking EP credit. If you just run the head right out, double the he would have been fired. Yeah. Because, you know, here's the thing. And William J. Bell, the creator of The Young and the Restless, once famously said, even though he did both worlds, he once famously said, nobody should ever take on double the work by being the executive producer and the head writer. Nope. And the only reason he was is because he created the damn show. And at the end of the day, you know, he had Ed Scott, he had John Conboy, he had uh, Shaughnessy. But, you know, even William J. Bell said it's just too much work. You it is. Out when you do both because your mind wants to concentrate on one or the other. It doesn't want to do both. It wants to do one or the other. And you run yourself completely crazy trying to keep track of both. And I'm sorry. I know because Josh Griffith is not downstairs on that set. Well, allegedly. But can you tell me he's saying, oh yeah, let's go with the green chairs for the Grand Phoenix set. Oh, Hell no. no. We no. we can afford Michelle Stafford for another 12 episodes, but she needs to be off for five this month. Josh ain't doing that, please. <laughs> no. Yeah, when it comes to executive producer. Anthony, Anthony Marina is doing all that. Yeah. And I feel like Josh, Josh wanted that EP credit because he wanted more control over his storylines. But he didn't get that bullshit exactly. because CBS yeah. and Viacom like, ah, ah. Viacom. <laughs> oh, my God. Viacom that is the worst and, and thing that Because like, ah. that's probably why he took the job. He thought, okay, I'm called executive producer. I have more control of my story. Because Viacom and Sony... He probably ah. didn't expect the merger to happen. You know what I mean? He probably, because mm -hmm. truthfully, the merger is the worst thing that's ever happened to the Young and the Restless. 
because it's destroyed that show. Because now there's not only too many cooks in the kitchen, there's a whole staff in the kitchen. There's waiters and waitresses and heads. And my whole thing is, Viacom, I'm going to need y'all just worry about the motherfucking bottom line. Y'all don't need to worry about the day-to-day exactly. of shit. Worry about the bottom line. It's the show making money. It must be making something if you renewed it for another four years. Step the fuck back and let these people do what the fuck they know they, what they've been doing for the last 30, 40 years. And just do that. This little stupid-ass liaison that thinks she work at the Hallmark Channel, she need to take her ass over there. And Alan, I'm with you. Alan, the show is the worst it's ever looked. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. Even Jill Farron Phelps had a better looking young wife. She looks like it's decorated by Wayfair. It's it's bad. Honey, it looks like Wish.com. That's what the Young and the Restless looks like. Wish.com. General Hospital is over there looking like Pier 1 Imports. But no, that's because a lot of that shit is outdated. Those are old sets. Like like with Crimson Lights. Yes, Crimson Lights is an old, iconic set. I liked the Crimson Lights redo, however. But it's still it's still outdated though. It like that that's not a coffee house from 2020. That's a coffee house. But see, from now they bring that up in the dialogue though. You know, like when that Jordan girl came up to Sharon and she's like, "I love your whole antique aesthetic." Like now they're yeah, them. like no, like Crimson Light should be way like Casey. God damn it! Back in the day on days when they had. The Java Cafe and dot com. That was 20 fucking years ago. And that shit is more upscale. I know. Life. And you know, before that, they had shenanigans. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, Sharon got enough money from five divorces. Bitch, if you don't get some Wi Fi in this motherfucker and some computers and shit, I'm so sick of that bullshit. I mean, even with, with Catherine's house. Now, of course, we did not like what, 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 whatever the fuck Billy thought he did to it. But it's like, Catherine's been gone for a long time. That like that whole set should be a lot more upscale than it is. I love how the Ch- Chancellor Mansion, you know, they redid it to the best of their, to Mal's credit, that is the best thing he ever did for that show. Yes. Because he turned, he said, look, I can't give you the old setback. It's not possible. They destroyed it. They reconstructed it to where it doesn't even look the same. But here's what I can do for you. I can paint it yellow again, and I can give you back the textile floor and the red door and the plantation wallpaper. And that is what I, Because you know how I am. When it comes to sets, I don't really care about much. The only set I want to always look the same is Alice Horton Showplace. That's non-negotiable. Everything else. Yeah, you you can take everything from me. But Alice Horton, the Abbott But when it comes to that Horton living room... It has to look the same, too. Because I know it's it's coming. And I know we're going to get a condensed version this year because of COVID and everything when they put the ornaments on the tree and shit. Because I remember when Ken Corday said when when, when Francis Reed first started getting sick, we probably would never see that that set again. You a motherfucking lie. Where's the set? Where is it? We're going to put her chair in the Smithsonian. No, the fuck you ain't. <laughs> no, he says that in Super Rubber Dodgers. We'll put, we'll put Francis's chair in the Smithsonian. No, the fuck you ain't. You will leave like, that, that is, right there. That is Mama Julie. That is Big Julie's chair, okay? You leave that shit alone. 
Like, Susan Seaport owned that shit. God damn it. I feel a way when I see that living room. When, when, when Jennifer and Julie was talking in that living room last week, I felt a way, God damn it. I love seeing that, that living room. That cemented Katie McClain. You can Katie do whatever McClain's you want to whatever else, but you're going to keep that living room just like the fuck it is. Mm-mm. And I feel the same way about the Abbott Manor. You can change out the sofa once in a while because, you know, the legs are breaking off. But the Abbott Manor, I always have to have those red back chairs, you know, that John used to sit in. And he was like, Tracy, you're taking diet pills, aren't you? I always have to have them red back chairs and, you know, the big Abbott Christmas tree. Anyway, I still want to put, on, I still wanna put some Vaseline on my face and take my earrings out and fight Lynn Marie Lassen for killing off John Abbott. Bitch, I still want to fight you. I show the fuck too. Bitch, you don't do that. Let's recast. Not having Limerie laugh him at that show no more. (laughs) Anyway. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, we got way off track. I I don't even know where we are anymore. We are number one. one We are number one. There we go. Look, 50 episodes. My memory is getting fuzzy. Um, Alrighty. So, Alan, let's start with you. Who takes your top Spot number one, I have Gina Tonioni as Dinah Morrow at Cutting Light. Oh, I was worried about which <laughs> I was worried I know, about. I was about to say, which one, which character, <laughs> Alan? Oh my god, the way you paused to two, you said Gina Tonioni as Dinah Morrow. I did think about her spellers, but I went with Dinah, yeah. She, oh, Dinah, <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Yeah, she had a tough act to follow after Wendy Mahonez killed it as Dinah in the 90s. But she gave him guns too. rolling when Dinah came to town trying to be Princess Cassie. That's the end. <laughs> she set that show on fire. Her and Jonathan at that time, remember when they fucked and that fire in that freaking barn? It was so good. And she had so many good lovers. She even be like Mallet. I fucking hated Mallet. Oh, I love she and Mallet together. Oh. Yeah, and she had chemistry with Jeff Branson as Shane. Oh my god, yes, Shane and Dinah. Oh. She's one of the reasons to watch even when the show was in Butt Fuck New Jersey. So, but, but yeah, she, she just was horrible for performance. Even when Dinah was doing terrible shit, you still felt, felt sorry for her because she still had a heart. <laughs> yeah, she, oh. she was something special. I mean, and of course when Gina won her Emmy... Um, so deservedly so winning that Emmy for playing Dinah and uh, what an amazing yeah. actress. I, lo- I love Gina in any And the way she acted a oh. motherfucking fool when Ross died. Ooh. Oh! Oh! So good. Oh. Well, Alan, you know, damn, that was a really good choice. <laughs> From your very messy list, you ended it with a very good choice. <laughs> that was good because I remember her as Kelly the first time around on One Life to Live, and it was just like, okay, okay, Kelly, messy, fun, bubbly. <laughs> but when that motherfucker became, I mean, like, you know, she didn't really impress me much as Kelly. It was just like, oh, she, yeah, she just, mm, no. But when she became Donna, I said, oh, I got, I got this husky's number. She was shit. I really liked, you know, that's a good point. To, look, Gina is always, you know, holds the memories of Kelly, but I, and I know this is controversial, but I loved Heather Tom as Kelly. I didn't. <laughs> I, 
I didn't. He was in that room with Dan Godier during the tornado episode. Look, I'll tell you, yeah, I, I like Tether Thomas. And that's always wrong of people to say, I know. It's just, it's like every time Alan says, Oh, I love me some Natalie. Natalie's a and queen. I feel sorry for Heather. I feel sorry for Heather because she is such a wonderful actress. But until this day, until the day she died, bitch, you are Victoria Newman. Take your ass over there to Television City, lock Amelia Holly's ass up in the closet, and get your oh. check. Everybody <laughs> gonna want that. It's the I truth. Just, every time you say Heather Thomas Victoria, I think of her old opening credit shot when she's in the emerald green dress with her hair, like her whole entire hair laid to one side, and she just turns around, and all of a sudden, here comes Ryan right behind her. Da, 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 da. Aww, oh. That crazy ass Trisha Dennison. Oh, Trisha. <laughs> I love Trisha. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Well, Rodrigo, who do you have at number one? Well, <clears throat> my number one is Peter Bergman as Jack Abbott on The mm-hmm. Young and the Restless. All right. Now, it's a Ever, Terry, wait, Terry Lester was the original Jack Abbott, played that role beautifully for nine years. He's memorable for the, the role of Jack Abbott. So when Terry left Young and the Restless, and they had the daunting task of recasting Jack Abbott. Bill Bell went to where else? Peter Bergman, coming off his popular role as Dr. Cliff Warner on All My Children, and just coming into that role. You know, I, you know, I've heard at first, you know, fans were kind of like receptive to like accept Peter as Jack Abbott, but the more Peter was going in on the role the more memorable he made. Like his, Peter's Jack Abbott has, you know, him and Eric Braden have one of the best rivalries in soap history. The chemistry between those two, the chemistry between him and and Eric Braden, even the, you know, the rumored behind the scenes problems they've had with each other in the past, it worked well because it, 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 it went right to the screen. You could see the tension between those two. I'm going to have some pleasant headbutting. I said allegedly. I said no, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Peter Bergman and Eric Brain had some problems behind the scenes. That's you know, that everybody knows. Everybody knows about that. But I just love the way Peter has come in this jack. He's made that role so memorable that you almost forget that someone else played the role before him. Well, and uh, here's the thing. Of course we forget because you know, Terry left when 1989. Wasn't yes. it? Because the then he went the to uh, Santa Barbara, right? Santa yep. Barbara, yeah. yeah. As well turned, when Santa yeah. Barbara started casting everybody and their mom on the look, right. Santa Barbara reminds me of Frank Valentini, which he is. Like, oh, Ken Simmons, Stephen Nichols, Dale Penglis, Terry Lester. Right. But the thing about this part, like, I can imagine back then how hard it was to even try to find someone to oh, fill Terry Lester's shoes. And the fact that Bill Bell got Peter Bergman in there and took a chance with him. Thomas Scott. Yes. And, you know, the chemistry him and L.D. Thomas Scott had, the chemistry that, hell, him and, like, the ab of him and Trace, um, uh, Beth Maitland, and at the time, uh, 
what was the other Ashley's name? Brenda, 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 Brenda Epperson, yeah. yeah. Brenda Epperson and uh, you know, Pia Dileen, I mean, you know, gosh. They've got good chemistry. And Peter, as much as you like to deny this storyline, one of your greatest storylines was that chemo storyline, okay? God damn it, that was... <laughs> when see, when that... Soaps and Dap just brought up chemo, hell froze over. I was like... Lon, him and Lon and Jack I loved and him Vietnam and Lon. And like having the secret son in Vietnam and that whole arc. Was beautifully played. I don't care what the fuck you say, Peter Bergman. That was one of your great storylines. I don't know why you didn't like it. That was some good shit. Um, he and Michelle Stafford. Yeah. Him and the sta- yeah, him and the staff. Yeah, him and Michelle Stafford now. I still, still have him. Oh yeah, Phyllis is the love of Jack's life. Phyllis is the love of Jack's life. I still got a candle in the window like Pilar Lopez and Gerald. Goddamn it! I want Michelle Stafford. Jack <laughs> met his. Jack met they his. They still man. ooze chemistry. I mean, my God! And every time. Jack, and that is Jack a good recap because Jack met his match with Phyllis. With with Phyllis, Jack like when they paired those two together. Yeah, when they paired those two together, I was like, okay, we have a ball game with these two because they and just remember, okay. Yeah. Oh my God, Diane was gonna fake that Phyllis had backed over her, and Phyllis actually ended up backing over her with that SUV. <laughs> Jack was, oh my God, the Phyllis Jack Diane years were so amazing. Yeah. No, oh. this Jack, like Peter Bergman's Jack, is like the most memorable Jack because he's had the most he memorable storyline because in the show's history. Well, 30, yeah. 31 years. 31 years. 31 years he's played this part. 31 like, years later. Come on now. He is Jack Abbott. He I, is. Jack Abbott. Like, the, the only Jack I've yeah. ever known is Peter Bergman. I was too yeah. young for Terry too Lester. Baby, yeah. By the time Terry Lester came, by the time I knew who Terry Lester was, he was already on Santa Barbara. He was in the like, upper by the time I knew. Yeah, who he like just mm-hmm. even like with Jill, the only Jill I've ever known is Jess Walters. Jess Walters, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know, and that was before Deborah Dare. That was before Brenda Dixon's crazy ass. The only Jill I've ever known is Jess Walters. No other one. But yeah, in but fact, you, you know what, Tiggs? Look, you guessed it, darling. That's my number one, is Jess Walters. Look, there is God, I knew you were gonna Jess Walters. I knew you were. Go look, ahead, you Tracy. guys, look, yeah, you guys knew it ain't no competition. It's just motherfucking. Yes, Walt. Well, go ahead, okay. Casey. Yes. Because even as a little kid, Brandon I love that damn shit starting yeah. ass Jill Abbott. I have to say, you know, Catherine and Jill, as you all know, is my fave feud of all time. It was 40 years of storyline. And I, every time I see a clip or every time, you know, I know Wyandar's history like the back of my hand. And Brenda Dixon and Gene Cooper were magic together. However, there was a lot of fans who have been watching this show since day one or very early on that want even Brenda to return today. Here's the thing. Brenda Dixon, <laughs> you all going to hate me for this. Who said that? Was who never, wants that? Oh, honey, you should be a part of some of these classic Wyandar groups. Rodrigo, you oh, would be correct this. They have Brenda the head Dixon exam. not a good actress. <laughs> oh, Brenda she's Dixon <laughs> was an okay actress. but She just... She when just Jess had like she was just over the top. That was yeah. She was too over the top. Yeah, never matching her in a scene. And then you know we had Deborah Dare, Melinda O'P, um, Judah nope. Chapman for two episodes in 1997. Uh, <laughs> we had everybody and their mama played the role of Jill. But you know William J. Bell one day he needed a temporary recast close to the end of Brenda's run. 
and he picked this more mature woman from Capital, who at the time was playing Kelly Hoffa, and came off of a very successful run on Capital. And he put her in this role for just a few days. And my God, at the end of the few days, he said, Brenda, you don't work here no more. We're going with Jess. Um, and I mean, Jess Walton. My my God, my God. <laughs> every, time you, I, every time she's on the screen, it is the young and the restless. Yep. All the problems that the show has just go away. And you're, you feel like you're watching The Young and the Restless from when she and Catherine used to spray hoses at each other, the cake fight, the fight in the attic. Um, even when they were mother and daughter, that's one of my least favorite storylines in the show's history, but even they sold it. And even when Philip came back from the dead and, oh my, and the final scene, Catherine, do you need me to help you up the stairs? I think I can manage. Good night, Jill. Good night. Mm. I mean, oh my God, Jess Walton. And let me tell you, you know, she did the interview with Michael Fairman recently with Trisha Cast, and Michael asked them, you know, do you guys want more? Do you want a future with the show? You know, like, where do you stand? They both said yes immediately. And, you know, honestly, Jess just wants a story you know we've heard her say it multiple times she wants a long-term story that is worth her salt and her time and the last person to give that to her in the present era was sally sussman with jill's heart condition which in my opinion was written beautifully and should have continued but yeah i mean it's jess walton who, who jess else Walt can be number one jess said if you want me to get out of that org get out of Oregon for like six yes. months to a year. <laughs> I need a storyline. I cannot yes. be coming back and forth yeah. to do these little like two-day stints. Jess said, look, I saved my coins, but playing playing <laughs> expensive. And in that interview, Jess said, look, it's a 12-hour trip, and then I've got to be at the studio, and Yeah, you have to make it worth her time to be to come back long That's why I always like, say, like, they need to do with Jill what Days does with Sammy, what G.A. does with Tracy. If you are going to have them on, you need to make it worth it. Even with G.H. right now. Like, they they are going to take every moment they have with Jane Elliott and make it worth it. That's what you need to do. That's what Days is going to do with Allison Sweeney. When you have just Walton there and available and in California, you need to make it worth it. Like, Okay, this latest thing with her, you know, being involved, everything going on with Billy and shit. Okay, that's a good start. But when you have Jill on your screen, you need to have her in some shit. Jill was on screen for one month in 2016, and Jess motherfucking Walton walked away with the nomination for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. Exactly. That is who Jess Walton is. And remember when Phyllis and Billy were having the affair? And Jess and Gina had this beautiful scene in Phyllis's hotel room. And, you know, Gina's Phyllis, it cracked me up. She was like, in time, they will accept us as a couple. And Jess got in her face and she gritted her teeth and she said, a millennium could pass. And I was like, oh my God. I just, Jess is everything. And she, look, what is she, like 75 years old? At 75. She's like 67 or something like that. 
I think she's in the late 60s. She's in 70 yet, is she? No, I think she is 70 now. She um, might be just been around for a long time now. And it, yeah, Jess is like the Procter and Gamble General Mills now. No, I love you, Jess. Oh. Jess is yeah, she's husband. 71. She's 71. Okay. And at 71, for her to look like that, I mean, first of all, Jess still looks hot as hell. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you get minimal work done and you mind your business and you're not problematic. Exactly. Yeah. You, ain't, you ain't ever heard nothing raggedy And about in the scenes, you know, recently before the COVID shutdown, where we thought that Jill and Jack might rekindle their relationship, those scenes with she and, like, Peter were just so amazing. And, you know, Jess is truly one of the last real actors that we still have from like our childhood soap viewing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's always been there. Mm -hmm. She's always been Jill. And I remember this scene and then look, I'll go to somebody else, but I could talk, but look, Jess could be talked about for another two hours. But I remember the scene, you know, when Kane had died on the eve of Colin and Jill's wedding. And Jill came in in her beautiful blue gown and her little hat, and she was all bloody. And she went upstairs to go change, and Catherine came into her room, and Catherine unzipped her gown. And then they hugged, and Jill just cried in her arms in this big fur coat. And, oh, my God, that ripped my heart out. It was just like, they made me care about Kane for about two minutes. But, and, oh. and that, and it's it's things like that, like, like, why can't you bring Jill back? And like, you know, I, I would love, I've always loved her and Jack. Put her and Jack back together. Maybe it's one of the situations where Billy never knew that Jack was almost his daddy. Yet another thing for him to act out about. Can you imagine Jason Thompson reacting to some bullshit like that? He gonna act they a fool. Drop that. They always <laughs> drop that Jill and Jack it's like history has been forgotten. Here's the thing, look. She will always be what? Jill Foster hyphen Abbott. Jill Foster Abbott. Abbott. Not those other names to try to give him. Oh, Fuck that damn ass. Jill Foster Abbott. Look, even Lauren says, how you doing, Jill Foster Abbott? <laughs> she will always be Jill motherfucking Foster Abbott. Don't even try any bullshit. <laughs> Especially since Neil was supposed to be Jill's new love interest when he first came on the show. <laughs> Lord. And, then, and and it's just like, it's one of them old school things. It's like, you know, when, when, you know, when you see older women and they see somebody and they just like, you know, they call her by her maiden name. Like, when an old bitch don't like Jill, they call that bitch Jill Foster. Like, no, bitch, I've been on her since 68. Nikki, oh my Foster. God. <laughs> When Jill tried to put the art piece in Catherine's park under Mal Young, like that was actually pretty funny. And Nikki said, eat dirt, bitch. <laughs> Just, oh my God. Oh. Damn, Jess Walton, my everything, my queen. Uh, please come back, darling. Please and get Jill a good, meaty, year-long storyline. Just give it to her. Mm -hmm. Well, that would require a regime that cared more, but not more than Adam. I'm like, can we get Jill on for five days of motherfreaking week? I'm yeah, sorry. Give Mark, I love, make, give Mark Rose on a vacation. 
I think you'd appreciate it. Look, have it be Jill in the Restless instead of Adam. For real, because she is the only character, the only character that has always been there. Jill has she is always the only original. Been there. Jill is the only original character yep. left. Since March 27, 1973, goddamn. Exactly. It. There ain't and no she, Brooks. There ain't no Fosters. There ain't no, uh, you know, Stuart Brooks is dead. Jill is the only original character left from William J. Bell's vibe. And, oh, come on now. Come on. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how to write for Jess Walton and Jill Foster Abbott. Come on. Anyway. Next. Who do you have at number one? My number one is the best motherfucking recast in the last 10 years, and that's Stacey Hyduke as Kristen DeMera on Days of Oh, Lord. okay. Yes. 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 I consider it for my list. For, just for, her, for her to come in and take an iconic role from the legendary Eileen Davidson, and it wasn't just Kristen, goddammit, it was Susan, too. For her to take both of those iconic characters out of the last 25 years of that show and to make them her own, nothing short of miraculous. I tell you, Stacey Hotduck has me cracking up when she plays Susan. <laughs> it, it, it's just, I never thought it, I would see the day where, because I always thought, I'm just like, good Lord, I wish we could clone Eileen because I want her as Kristen, but, I, but they can't afford her. So I love her as Ashley too. <laughs> we can we can comfortably have her now as Ashley doing her guest stints, being a special guest star like <laughs> Emma Locklear on Melrose. <laughs> yes, like, she's a, she's a danger name to Eileen Locklear. And, and we have Kristen, and you know we know that Ron loves to write those crazy ass characters, but he's finally found his balance with Kristen for now. Because she do something else batshit crazy, but for now, Kristen is serving her time. And she, you know, there's a balance. So we'll see. But and I mean even acknowledges the power of Stacy. When the original yes. basically gives you the blessing to do this yes. and tells fans to shut the fuck up, that's when you know you made it. Yes. I, I like Eileen's um, it, it's like when, when she has it all down pat, like she has Kristen's desperation, like how she was desperate for a child and a family and being in love with Brady and, you know, how just enraged she was when she found out that, you know, that that little baby, the stray baby was alive and she stabbed the shit out of Victor because she knew he wasn't going to go to jail and all this other shit. It was just, you know, and she's trying to take her lumps right now. And even with Lonnie, like, she's just like, look, Lonnie, you my homegirl, and I thank you for your loyalty, but don't miss your man fucking around with this bullshit. <laughs> you know, she's just like, look, don't lose Eli. Girl, go head home to your husband. Kristen and, and Lonnie but, is the friendship we've always needed. <laughs> but 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 in the same breath, though, Ava comes see her. Oh, girl, you want to book Kayla's ass? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. like, oh, we hate the same people. Okay. But, but then when, when Ava gets to talking too much, Chris is just like, all right, girl, okay, I'm trying to get parole, bitch. Wait a minute. Don't tell me too it much. It reminds me of when Kristen and uh, Jennifer used to be BFFs, and they would always have those amazing like girls' nights and 
I tell you, Stacy Haidu. Look, I've loved her since that one episode guest role on Charmed when she played that Egyptian goddess. No, I've loved her since I, I didn't realize this, but like, yeah, she played Jake Baby Mama on Melrose Place. She yes, was the recast. She, she was the recast. Yeah, she and was the, number two. And yeah. the motherfucker ain't aged today. She, now, no, hey, hey, she, she looks the same. Hair and everything. I'm She's frozen like, in time. I, I'm looking at her like she looks exactly the same. I even loved was, her on All My Children. I mean, uh, okay, yeah. and that nothing role. But, but this is like Stacy takes a nothing role and she makes it. Her and Torsten K were so fucking hot. Yes, hot. Uh, yes. Oh, and she had great mother son chemistry with James Scott, even though he was ten years younger. Still. <laughs> It still works. Right. And, and, but exactly. still, and, but no, being Kristen really isn't hard. No shade to Eileen. Kristen be, isn't being hard. But for her to be able to nail Susan, oh, that still the motherfucking deal. For her to be able well, to Kristen that, isn't hard, but what's but hard about playing Kristen is you also have to play seven siblings. You know, you yep. have to play uh, Penelope, Sister Mary Moira, uh, Thomas, Jennifer Horton, Thomas. Alice Horton, McDonald, Carey, Marlena. You have to play everybody when you play Kristen. And Stacy does it. Stacy just goes in. Uh, she does her own version of Susan's voice. It's lower than Eileen's version, version yeah, but it it's still works. Campy, but it's good. Yes, it feels like a, like a real woman. Stacy's yeah. version of Susan reminds me of my mom. Yeah. It, yeah. She had a more normal version of Susan. Which was like, kind of nice. You know, look, Eileen was forever robbed of that Emmy for playing was. Kristen and everything. Look, I will never forget when they well, both Eileen Davidson as Look, the announcer was out of breath at the daytime Emmys. <laughs> oh yeah, she should have won that year, but I think she lost. She lost to Cynthia Watros that year, I think. Yeah, which damn. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't even yeah. be mad. We were just like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. I wasn't mad at that, but but Eileen got her Emmy. She got her Emmy though. She got her Emmy years later. She and when she said okay. Heather Tom, thank you for sharing this year. <laughs> yeah, she did. She got her. Ass. She got her. it. Woo! <laughs> and then she won again, and she was like. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, two treasures of an actress, and we love them both. I mean, huh. so Alan. <laughs> I'm scared because Alan been just throwing, just, Alan been busting caps all night. I don't, like even Alan ain't shit. I don't even want to ask. Okay. Alan, go ahead. My whole mention is Billy Flynn and Chad. Oh, okay. No, that was good. Billy Flynn. Billy Flynn for your honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, he made Chad an actual character because remember Casey Easter in the role was nothing. He was just there and he was just hot. He had no personality. He was just there. But Chad made him an actual character. Sure, he has a nice ass as well. That doesn't have anything to do with his position as honorable mention, but Okay. Billy, yeah, Billy I like Billy. Is really good. Yeah. And you know, I'm a huge Marcy fan. And I think Me too. that he and Marcy are the more superior Chad and Abigail. Um, yeah, because they like each other. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I and I love Kate Mancy. Don't get me wrong. I think me Kate too. Mancy, you know, she would 
she had me rushing home every fucking day with the James Scott EJ Abby story. When like Sammy almost caught them in the shower and the dream episode where Sammy threw her ass over the banister at the Horton house. I mean, every like there's so many things Kate Manzi could do. Like, I love, stuff, I love, you know, when I Abby love, went crazy. And... I love Lexi Andersworth, but Billy, Billy. Kate Manzi, she would eat Christina Corinthos Davis alive. Mm. Oh, she would be so good. Billy drinks, his, Billy drinks his milk too. I know that. He sure do because he got a fat ass for a white Bad baby. ass for a white baby. He's going to just be jiggling and bouncing. They be putting him in these tight ass pants. I'm like, wait a minute. He scooches his booty out. <laughs> he, he was in the day you posted that clip of him like, he leaned he was all in this the way robe. <laughs> He was in this robe not too long ago in an episode. I said, wait a minute, where's he got? Look at that. I couldn't oh, even the pay attention with the to blackout see. episode, yeah. I couldn't I'm even like, pay attention to see. I'm just looking at his, his backside the whole time. I'm like, oh my goodness. Sometimes okay. I pause my, I pause it on NBC.com. <laughs> I'm like, about to fall out my chair. Mm-hmm. Oh. Now I'm just making top billets. Okay. <laughs> we got to go to somebody else. Uh, Rodrigo, who you got? Honorable mention, Cassie the Piper as Blair. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, baby. Wait, oh, wait. Man, I'm so sorry. Wait a minute. Why, Rigo? Who was your number one? My number one was Peter Bergman. Are we doing honorable oh, mention? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. I need honorable mention. This is confusing the podcast. They're going to be like, what is going People on? People forget. I, well, it's memorable that Blair was Asian. <laughs> and then they turned her <laughs> to a southern white turned into a southern white woman. Now you can't do that shit these days. You can't do that shit in 2020. No, no, but back then <laughs> look, back ABC then, said we gotta fill out these SAG diversity reports. <laughs> back then it was a little jarring when you saw eight Mia Corf's Blair turn into Cassie the Piva's Blair. So you were like, wait a minute, I thought she was I thought she was a male I thought she was a male Asian. Like what the fuck what happened? But yeah, you're looking at the eyes, you're like, <laughs> but Cassie the Piper just came in there and just made the role her own where you just forgot, like, okay, there was an Asian in the role in this part. And she just took off from there. And I love how the show, you know, they made light of it. You know, there was an episode where I think it was Ace's funeral when Blair yeah, was like <laughs> having a flashback. <laughs> And she's flashing back to me, of course, Blair. And she'd have to look like, wait a minute, that's like, wait, hold on one second. <laughs> but that was one of the most, the best successful recasts I ever saw was Cassie. Uh, do I have another one? Mm, oh my God, there's too many. That that even like, I didn't realize. And, and that's so crazy because we ain't got that's time. just like how they yeah. played fast and loose years ago. How like Felicia Terrell was the original Ariana, but she was black and white, and then they got like Lindsay Hartley who was white, and both of them were playing a Mexican character. Yeah, Lindsay Hartley will play every <laughs> Latina. Yeah, she play every but, Latina. I was like, yeah, no, you say that. that soaps have diversity issues. My God, it's because we're casting white women what? to play Castillo and, and Hernandez. How you gonna cast a black and white woman then a white woman? And they both supposed to be a, a Mexican character. Like they Mariah, need to that. When Mariah was supposed to be black, and all of a sudden, the role of Mariah is now being played by Cameron Grimes. 
Oh, right, and then, right, and then, and then, right, and then, since Mariah, like, Cameron was in the role, they were just like, fuck it, make her Cassie's sister. (laughs) Oh, and for a a recent recast these days, I'll go with Marcus Coloma as Nicholas Cassidine, just because of the amazing chemistry he has with Maura West and how they've taken that Neva, Neva, Nicholas, and Ava have just taken over poor Charles, and that's. I guess mm-hmm. it's the power of the power of Moral West to like just bring the chemistry onto the canvas. But I think Marcus has done a great job of, you know, I see yeah, Marcus like- is, I see his Nicholas. I don't even like, and to be honest, I don't think about Tyler's Nicholas nope. when I see Marcus Colombo. Oh, like, you don't think script. about the uh, the second Nicholas Tyler? You don't. Who Colt? What? What's the Colton Shaw? <laughs> no, Colton Scott, no, 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 no. You know that Colton Scott, was his, Colton Scott was his first name, and then he changed his name to Stephen Martinez. Stephen Martinez. Yeah. yeah. Oh lord, that mm-hmm. reminds me of Emmy Rylan, Mossy Rylan, Hunter King, Hunter Haley King. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, Tyler Christopher did the same thing. He was Tyler Baker when he first. That's started. Tyler Baker. No, I, I remember you, the worst. The worst defender of it is Brighton James. I'm sorry. Every year there was a new title card for him on the young Brighton, Brighton E, Brighton. Brighton, <laughs> Brighton and no, and, and, uh, fuck James. that, because me and him go way back, goddamn. James we go back thirty years of family matters. His name is Black Brighton McClure, goddamn. McClure, Brighton McClure, yeah. Brighton McClure. <laughs> I remember that title card, and then he was just the young and the restless. Sorry, Michelle Stafford, Eric Braden, Brighton. Christopher St. John. Da, 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 da. Oh, Ooh, a classic one. One more classic. Kimberly Sims is Mindy on Garden Light. Taking over for uh Krista Tesro back then. Great job. Uh, look, Rodrigo, I didn't realize you were gonna have 52 of these. I know. Uh, look, we were just <laughs> See, so you were talking about me. And you were talking about me, Casey. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I mention the Tigs before this started that we would... Sp- Look, I know it's the 50th episode, but that don't mean you can have 50 honorable mentions. Oh, one more. Jamie Lunar as Mar- as Liza Colby on my... Oh, no, there's- oh, oh you know, boy, you said <laughs> I was about to leave. I was about to leave through this laptop. Tur- Hell no. Liza Turbo Colby. Turbo. I was no. about to leave through this fucking no. Uh-uh. No, my Liza does not bang people on pool tables. She is it's like, no, my Liza Colby is a blonde, ice queen, stone cold bitch. And she's a TV Liza producer. She ain't a, oh my God. Marcy she's not a lawyer. Used me, Marcy used to no, she wasn't no damn lawyer. My no Liza Colby. She was a no, cutthroat owned, TV producer. She, my Liza Colby owned WRCW yes. and wanted yes. to screw Ryan. That's yes. my Liza Colby. Yes. Shit. Lord, my God. My, and my Liza Colby was being cheated on <laughs> with her mother and dad. Okay. And, yeah. Do you know how much you know how, how much of a bad bitch you got to be for you to break up my Tad and Dixie and I feel like you? Yeah. That's Ooh. that motherfucking Marcy Walker. Right. That nasty ass Liza Colby destroyed my, my together forever. And I yeah, still she did. Her. And I and I still liked her. <laughs> Shit. Oh, and then when Liza, you know, accused Jesse of raping her, and yeah, no, uh, Jamie Lunar is not no. Rodrigo, yeah, I'm glad that you were joking because I was about to leave. Ooh, they put Jamie, they put Jamie Lunar in a scene with Darnell Williams and Demi Morgan. I'm like, this, 
when did, when did you go to high school with the baby? <laughs> when they were in high school, Jamie Luna was auditioning for the Melrose. <laughs> no. I mean, like, what a disservice. I'm like, I know Marcy Walker, she's teaching Bible study right now, but damn, they could have asked, asked her to like, no, I was like I was about to call Marcy and be like, look, honey, you can praise Girl. Jesus from a soap set. Yes, you look. can. Oh, God. <laughs> damn you, Rodrigo, for even bringing that up. <laughs> I hate you so much for that. Um, Anyway, Tiggs, who is your one honorable mention? Okay, I got two, but just one, no, one old not. school. No, I'm not Rodrigo. I got one old school to one girl. He's like, uh, when that girl replaced the other one, a love of life. <laughs> no. My my OG one is March Duce is an Alex Fam Oh, yeah. Uh, I love, I'm, I'm like you, I'm like you. I'm like you, Casey. I love Beverly McKenzie. Oh, and I did no. not think no. Come on. I didn't think that we was gonna ever be able to get some just some of that fabulousness again. And that motherfucking Mars Duce came in. <laughs> came in. Oh, oh. Mars. And for oh. you to pop out of some bushes, goddamn oh, God bless you, Mars. Changing the Chevron. <laughs> oh. It just she just always oh, had God like, bless you, just how oh, she was just always right there ready to just read Alan and get in his ass like you know your children are never gonna forgive you, right? And Alan get with some bullshit like, look, I know my son still don't talk to me, so I know. <laughs> like you do know all, all, all of our... Michael. <laughs> like I tell you, all of our soap opera dames are probably having one hell of a party in the upper room, you know. I bet it's Gene Cooper pouring the champagne, Beverly and Marge sitting around the table. and uh. Hell yeah, and there's a blunt going around like, oh. Yes, there is. Look, Gene's like, shit about Brenda Dixon. <laughs> but yes, oh, and, and, and my, my current one, of course, my baby, Katie McClain is Jennifer Horton. Katie McClain is Because just in the short time, that she's she's been on this show. I don't think about Melissa Reeves at all. I don't need no flashbacks. I don't need no donuts. I don't need no coffee. I no donuts. Shit. I hate you. <laughs> all I need. I don't need no Chick Fil A. <laughs> and, and, and and what's so crazy is because I was always saying like, oh, Dixie and Jennifer are pretty much the same character, but it's like no, Jennifer was a little bit more demure and hokey than Dixie was, and that's how Katie's playing. Dixie She's had very, to learn how to be that way. You know, when you know Dixie came in with the country accent mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, Dixie became a pillar of the community where, as Jennifer has always been a pillar because of her coming from the Horton background. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Jennifer really didn't have to work hard at anything, but Dixie worked her way into society through <laughs> when she was the Chandler. <laughs> Yeah, she was. A, yeah, she worked her way through society, all right. Yes. Oh my god, that's why I didn't buy Dixie living in that house on Prospect Park by my children. I was like, okay, no, because man. because even to this day, like it was two bitches. Brooke didn't like three bitches if you count Maria. She didn't like Maria. <laughs> yes. She didn't like Erica, and she never liked Dixie. Exactly. <laughs> oh my lord. Shit. Well, my honorable mention 
I didn't think I would go with somebody this moderate, but I really took a look at who's changing the face of daytime in this very, dare I say, unrecognizable era, unless you tune into General Hospital. And for me, this is an actress who carried a show on her back for a whole entire year, which was her first year, and that is Annika Noel as Hope on The Bold and the Beautiful. Twice. This is a woman who from day one, I saw something in her. I remember tweeting on Annika's first day. I was like, oh, all she did was walk through a door and I'm like, that's Hope. I'm like, welcome to it. Welcome to the party. The baby switch story. She dropped motherfucking Kim Zimmer tears. I mean, she was turning shit into sugar all year. Her chemistry with Matthew Atkinson, um, very recently with the whole Hope doll, and she pushed that doll to the side. She was like, it wasn't me. This is who Thomas was kissing. Oh, I mean, Annika, you know, I have to say it was one of those incidences that we just talked about. You know how Eileen was robbed of an Emmy, but she didn't mind that. Um, Cynthia won. That's how I kind of felt about Annika. You know, I think Annika was robbed of her Emmy, but also I didn't mind uh, that Tamra won. Um, you know, it's just Annika Noel is so special. And she, to me, resembles hope in the genre, you know, <laughs> wink, um, hope for the future. But yeah, you know, Annika is just amazing. And I really can't imagine B&B without her now. Like to me, she is the next, she's the new Catherine Kelly Lang. She's the next 30 years of that show. Um, hmm. Yeah, I love her so much. Well, anyway, Alan, where can everybody find you on Twitter to hopefully celebrate 50 more episodes with us? Envision me about my choices at Alice Rafa. You and your messy choices is what it is. I just sort of drawing it. <laughs> oh, Rodrigo, where can they find you, dear? You can find me at Rodrigo's World 81. Wonderful. And Tiggs Braun, where can they find you? Talking shit and checking these holes at the best 11985. <laughs> and you can find me at KCS Hutch. And like always, our show is on the Twitter too. Don't miss it at the chat underscore podcast. And Next week, you guys, it's the big one. It is the best and worst of the year 2020. The 90th year of the soap opera genre. We're giving you the best and the worst. So stay tuned for next week. It's going to be a good one. Bye. Good hey, wash your hands. Bye. Wear a mask. Bye. Wash your ass. Mind your business. Merry Christmas, y'all. Yes, holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Boxing Day. Happy Alex Zarafa. Stay away from home now. Do your yeah, own. i order you, you a doll you from Amazon. To to you don't have to go to the mall. Go on Amazon and buy your shit. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> home, not a restaurant. <laughs> right. DoorDash, bitches. DoorDash. <laughs> and always listen to the chat as you eat your food. So there you go. Yes. Thank you.